0: podcast covering the cleveland browns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day well guys we have a winning streak we have a road win uh, we have a dismantling of a guy who went to another city where he was familiar with because he probably thought he knew everything to know about this cleveland browns offense and all that just came up and just came up completely false uh, fast start from baker once again guys like we told you on the pregame show it is not a important thing that Baker has a true number one receiver or one of the greatest receivers in the game. The most important receiver to Baker Mayfield is the open receiver. Fantastic effort. We're going to get into this from top to bottom with Pete Smith. Uh, the Locked On Browns uh, postgame edition is brought to you tonight by Action Heat uh, outdoor, outdoor Clothing Wear. Uh, guys, I do apologize a little bit for the lateness of this, but, uh, like, ah, guys, I, it was my daughter's 12th birthday yesterday. Took her and some friends away. Uh, got back here a little bit late today, but we are still thrilled to get to this. So many great things and um just an absolute beat down of the Bengals team. Uh Andy Dalton ends up going out, a little Jeff Driscoll action. So many ways to break it down here. But uh Pete uh look uh, Mr. Mayfield in three games uh with Freddie Kitchens uh who you know just may find himself a statue if he doesn't chill out here over the next five games but fantastic effort today from the uh first whistle look the second half say whatever you want about it but um guys this team has never been up by three touchdowns at the half in quite a while so there was no script you cannot practice hey what do we do when we're beating the crap out of the other team there's no way to practice that but at least they got to practice practice it today pete
1: i think they followed up at that point was the most, and well, still is the most complete game of the year uh, with with what they did uh, against the Falcons, with the best half of their year, uh, with what they did in the first half against the Bengals. They completely dismantled the Cincinnati Bengals from the, from the starting whistle to the end of the half. Uh, four touchdowns in a row, in a row, and it wasn't even uh, like it wasn't even hard. <laughs> It wasn't no, even hard. It, it, there were a lot of things. Like first and foremost, it it wasn't hard, but it also wasn't uh, overly complicated. Like it wasn't some you know super impressive uh, scheme that they drew up or anything. It just happened to be you know that everything they were sort of doing was clicking and guys were executing and 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 the, you know they they got the ball to what are what at least with this group, uh, with this coaching staff, they've figured out who the actual playmakers are and, and where this team's sort of going to go. But, yeah, I mean, the second half is, is is frustrating in the sense that you get into a whole thing of, you know, it's a conversation about, you know, going for the throat versus, you know, just trying to make sure you don't lose. And I think there was a lot of, playing not to lose after initially they came out pretty aggressively uh, to get get 35. But, you know, if the biggest complaint you're going to have about the situation is that uh, that they, 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 they didn't win by as many as they should have for a team that hasn't done any winning. Like that's a good problem to have. But like I said, but most dominant half of the season, uh, you know, you, you talk about everything Freddie Kitchens is doing. I'm not ruling out the possibility that they've faced the, the three worst defenses in the league right in a row, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give any of those touchdown passes back or any of the efficiency back that they've shown. Uh, and, and, and certainly, you're, you're nothing but excited about what's hopefully uh, what's still to come.
0: And here's the thing with Freddie Kitchens. Um, you saw another look of the wishbone. And here's one that I've kind of been screaming about a little bit. And this is when we're going to kind of really know how much of this team and this offense is becoming Baker Mayfield's when we see what? When we see no huddle. Because who can, who, who can handle that? And barely huddled in college, put up a ton of yards and a ton of points, and that was Baker Mayfield. And you got to see that today, whether it was initially part of the game plan or it was okay. Now that we've done... You know, X X and Y, hell, let's do Z, too, so we can get everything out there and start working on everything. And look, it it was fantastic. Uh, David Najoku, you know, whether, you know, last couple of weeks, not so much into the fold. Got him going early. Fantastic day from him. Uh, Nick Chubb, at the end of the day, oh, oh, well, if anybody wants to throw the only three yards per carry, make sure you're throwing in over the 40 yards receiving. Uh, fantastic job from Nick Chubb. And as I just said, uh, I was on the uh, Locked NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. His touchdown catch, you would never, you wouldn't even respect a receiver to pull that reception off. That's how hard it is to physically make that play. And the problem is, is he's not seeing the ball. He feels it. He can't see it due to the helmet in his face. He knows it's on the guy's back. It's tricky the way you're going to matriculate the ball to the other hand or whatever to try to come down with the reception. An amazing job on that catch by Nick Chubb. And it just goes to show you everything we've heard about this guy all along is Nick Chubb is here to work every single day, rep in, rep out, to do everything he can to be the best player he can. And a catch like that, Pete, sums it up so easily from what we're hearing about what, what they say about this kid who's got the nickname of old school.
1: Right and, and and look there's no question that Baker Mayfield is you know is the the MVP of this team but just by virtue of the timing of when Chubb really took over there's a feeling that really he's the engine that's driving this thing because it wasn't until he really got in there and really became sort of a focal point that it just really felt like the offense sort of came together like he was the missing piece clearly uh, Mayfield is the straw that stirs the drink on this whole thing, uh, but the idea that you know those two now together are really what's pushing this thing. And, and you know, I think in a lot of ways this is sort of the ideal way this game could have worked out in terms of your your three leading receivers were Najoku, Callaway, and Chubb. And uh, if you listen to the, uh, the 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 pregame pod, we talked about so much of the bye week was those young receivers and young players just gaining confidence and Mayfield getting confidence in them. And the one thing I don't think the Browns had in that entire game was a drop. And I think that's a big part of that two weeks and being able to get more comfortable is, and and you've had players allude to it. I know, I know Jarvis Landry was the guy who came out and said it, Um, but I think people still underestimate just how much of a difference catching balls from Tyrod Taylor is than Baker Mayfield it's it's a pop gun versus a you know like a rifle and these guys have just it, it look today and hopefully this continues but all the things you you wanted to see from a road game the offense click like the one thing you you, know, you always hear the cliche is defense travels and and the Bengals are beat up and all that but the fact is the offense looked like a well-oiled machine in a road game that they haven't won. Obviously, the streak was 25. They haven't won back-to-back games since 2014. All these various things. Mayfield now has back the first rookie quarterback ever to have back-to-back uh, games with 140 quarterback rating um, despite not having like a, a big-name receiver. Like the thing I, I think we've been screaming about is is don't insist your, your your offense has to flow through receivers, and I think that's what you're seeing now. But with receivers, the, the guy I was most impressed with, and Najoku I think is just going to be a monster, but the guy, honestly, I was most impressed with out of those skill guys was was Callaway. The yep. quality of catches he was making in those, and Mayfield deserves a ton of credit for some of these throws, but like the, the catch on the sideline where Callaway is able to get enough space, toe-tap, and make that catch... I don't think he's making that play, you know, four and five weeks ago. I think, you know, for all the issues with Callaway, and, and there, there's, a, there's a laundry list of them. Um, somebody is keeping in that guy's head, whether it's Mayfield, whether it's Landry, whether it's, you know, whoever. Or, yeah, and Callaway obviously deserves his own amount of credit, is even though he's not really, like, he doesn't need to be a number one. He's just an ancillary piece, but when he, you know, when he makes those plays, those plays just stand out as being really, really good. And it wasn't the typical Callaway plays where it's run after the catch. This was being a good technical receiver type plays, which he has never shown. And I you go back to Florida; they weren't there.
0: No, it, they weren't. And, and the part that impressed me most, and guys, I've been saying this. Look, it, it, you know, there's how many times can I say, you know, I, I want to give Antonio Callaway some credit, and now it's here. This is maybe the fourth or fifth time. Both of those on the throws, Baker had kind of left the pocket. So, you know, the, the one on the sidelines that Pete mentioned with the toe tapping, that wasn't so much scramble drill. But the touchdown was. Okay, I see where the defender is. I see where Baker's headed. All right, let me get myself, get myself to the back of the end zone. Boom, he was there. That was the same type of play for the Rashad Higgins, the big one that had gotten the ball closer down to the uh, you know, eight of the red zone. You see these guys. And I think they just vibe so well with with Baker. And this is a Baker thing. Because, you know, look, I think he just makes it easy. He's easy to pick up. And these guys know, look, I just got to get to the spot where Baker is going to get me the ball. And it'll be there. And look, again, Fells another touchdown. Uh, you know, long, developing pass route for a score. I mean, of course, you know, we all think Fells. We all think Darren Fells is going to be the guy for that one. But that's just Playmaker. It. Of course, but that's just it. And the thing is is these guys are starting to understand, and, and I just got to do my part. And if I am open, it's coming my way. And look, you're going to add to the position because, look, you have a glutton of money. You have a glutton of draft choices. You'd be foolish not to, but you're getting by with just with what you have. And, you know, look, Jarvis Landry, you know, he's here. He's part of it. Uh, he you know, is? Is he, he at the game? He dressed Pete he, you know me me and Pete we message a lot during the game and he actually asked me you know what what is Jarvis Landry actually look he looks good in his uniform he looks good the nice high socks you know the 80 he rocks it well you know the guns are showing all that um but you know I guess for 15 million you need a decoy who's going to run you know 6 to 9 yard routes I guess whatever it may be but Jarvis Landry but it just shows goes to show you if you know how to run a route and you know how to get yourself to the correct spot any piece that you are, you're going to be functional with a guy like Baker Mayfield, and it's great to see that. Now, Guys, you, play,
1: you, you played wide receiver high school and college. Mm-hmm. What does it do for you when you know, you know? There, there's a part of you that goes, "Oh, I've run my initial route. I didn't get the ball." You know, there's a, there's sometimes there's a sense, "Oh, you know, I'll get him next time." When plays break down and when these things happen and you have a quarterback where if you do your job and you bust your ass to get to a spot, that if you do that, you're going to get the ball. How much does that impact your want to and your willingness to go that extra mile to make plays?
0: 100%. And here's the other thing. Even still, Baker will go sit down with the iPad and say, damn it, missed him. And he'll go seek that guy out and say, you know what? Missed you. That's just the type of guy Baker is. He's hard on himself. He will critique himself hard, and it will make you do not just the 100%. It will make you do the 110%. Guys, this episode is uh, sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Guys, as I had mentioned earlier in the week, uh, Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, I had to coach two soccer games starting at 645 and 745. We started on the fields at 39 degrees. We left the fields at 24 degrees. It was brutal. Action Heat clothing got me through it. Uh, Action Heat uh, clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them perfect for any friend or family or holiday gift list great for anyone who works outdoors uh, skiers snowboarders or anybody who loves the outdoors or hates dealing with the cold or ends up coaching soccer way late in the season because it rained the entire fall such as myself uh, action heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models released for this winter make winter activities more enjoyable with uh, the the warmth and the uh, the outdoor uh protection that you are going to be afforded from action heat it just guys it helps it's a great product go ahead your first uh, initial uh, purchase go ahead use the uh, promo code locked on you will get 30 percent off your first purchase i highly recommend it uh all my ohio listeners it gets pretty cold out there might be something when you're shoveling in the driveway snow plowing the driveway anything of that nature you might want to look into it the other thing is you're going to have your phone on it and make sure your wife ain't make sure you died out in the driveway so you're able to uh, charge your phone while you're doing all that Action Heat clothing guys, uh, we are glad for their sponsorship of Lockdown Browns. Now, Pete, uh, I think we pretty much hit everything offensively, and I do well, want to say... except for one thing. Go ahead.
1: David Njoku. You know, people have been criticizing his blocking and everything else, and, and you know, that's fine, but that's not really he- what he's here for. The one thing I loved about this game plan is they used blocking on multiple occasions as a decoy... To let him create plays, they had the the old school, you know, faint uh, block slide o- mm-hmm. o- over on the uh, on the crossing route, uh, make a big play, and then obviously that quick little sell the fake and then check down where he scores on that jumping play. F from the five, <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's one of those. That's that's major league, great play. <coughs> Never effing do it again. Um, <coughs> But but just that that's you don't need David Njoku to be an ass kicker up front in the blocking. You just need him to be able to hold somebody long enough, where so he can do those things. Because obviously, when they <coughs> went to the jumbo package with Corbett and Fells as your tight ends, they can get in there and go get go get a yard. But it was just nice to be able to see David Njoku sort of use being a tight end. To be to be able to facilitate himself as a receiver in, you know, it, it, he had the 64 yards and the touchdown in ba- barely a quarter. I mean, I think if this game was closer for longer, this would have been the quote-unquote, you know, <coughs> Njoku breakout game. But again, like with Callaway and some of these other guys, it's just great to see this is the most, I think, the best game he's had his, in, in his career in terms of just being uh, <coughs> all the good without any of the mistakes.
0: Oh, well, and that's the thing with Antonio Callaway. Look, as much as, you know, the criticisms and then the little incident over the summer, which looks like it's just going, you know, water under a bridge, nothing coming of it. But, you know, I will give credit to him. The young man, the work is there and, and it shows. And, you know, whether he's, you know, I don't know if he's ever a one or a two, but he's a damn solid three who can fill into the two if somebody's out. He, he's a solid part. Um, You saw, you know, a little bit of the punt return game it you was know, still not really getting much going there with the punt returns from him which is which is fine i mean look it, when you're clicking everywhere else you are going to have to you know, there's always going to be some sort of weak link and look the return game is it is one now for the browns but that's fine but antonio Call- Callaway, for what he's doing and showing up week in week out and maybe it's cuz he realizes baker mayfield can help him rewrite his own history if that is be, be that as it may fantastic i want to start with this one because i had mentioned a couple times during the week there was going to be a Gary Bertier, remember the Titans moment, where he came over and the arm extended, pointing at the coach on the other sideline, to Marius Randall with the interception, and the General Chuck, "Hey, what's going on, big guy. How you been?" That was, I, I was dying, literally dying.
1: Um, that, that's, that's an all-timer. Like again, this is one of those where if you you know if you scripted it, you know it'd be too cheesy. No way it would actually happen, but you know this is this is where you know as close to a perfect first half as you could ever want out of this game was the Bronze dominated from whistled to the half, and you got this, and you got this very very clear statement that this wasn't just fun for them to beat the hell out of the Bengals. there was a little extra uh and if you listen to and, and if you oh had, yes. Oh, you, you better listen, listen to Jabril it. You Fist, better listen to if it. If you listen to Jabril Peppers post game on the on just on this play, when he talks about, I you know Demarius he thought Demarius Randall could have scored a pick six, and this was just as good. That just told you everything you could have needed to know. That everybody loved it. I mean, there was just this energy. About, you know, everybody on this team and obviously, quarter, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield just freaking ethered uh, Hugh Jackson and, 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 uh, and Todd Haley in so – how dismissive he was. He was very matter-of-fact, no big deal, that type of mentality. If you listen to him speak, it's as if Hugh Jackson was nothing to him and he played like Hugh Jackson was nothing to him and he uh, – <laughs> barely looked at him when he quote you know if you want to call that a handshake he barely looked at him there there was there was some juice there and and I'm so happy that Demarius Randall who obviously was the guy talking before the game about guaranteeing victory got to make the big play and stick it to him like this you could not have asked anything else Demarish Randall who by the way looked healthier looked more confident yep. and just got back to being uh, you know, a lot of what we saw early in the year out of him where you were like, oh, man, this defense and, you know, this is <laughs> TJ Carey followed up with another solid performance. But there's still this party where the other part of the attitude in this defense, Terrence Mitchell still still coming back here and that you're going to have all the you know, all the you know, all the quarter, the proverbial uh, bullets in the gun. When this with this defense, as they're getting into this stretch where you've got confidence on both sides, and now you're sitting there going, you know, they're talking like it going, you know, that I mean, uh, Randall table. said it. Well, this team feels dangerous right now. He's like, this team had a ton of talent. He like when he came in, he said this is the most talented team he's ever been on, and 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 he was not afraid to sort of echo that sentiment after the game. And, and neither was Peppers.
0: And well, here's the thing, Demarius Randall. If you were the Cleveland Browns, you sit with his agent right this second and get it done. You need to continue that relationship. Because he kind of came in here like, wow, here's where it's at. I'm with the Cleveland Browns. They're taking me out of corner. They're putting me to free safety. And he has just been everything he'd asked for and much more. And if they ain't got A.J. Green, man, they're going to get their asses kicked. And he called it. And not only did he call it, he tossed Hugh the ball after calling it. I mean, that's just a guy – look, he's he, – he, just stay in Cleveland for the rest of your life, Demarius Randall. You will never pay for a meal. You will never pay for a drink again for the rest of your entire life when you do things like this, especially the way this thing is moving forward. Right now, uh, short,
1: short, short of short of give, giving up that, the, you know, the, the uh, late TD pass uh, and the NFC championship type thing uh, – yeah, he he could he can he he's basically bulletproof at this point in the city for, oh. for that like he, the, it it will be very difficult for somebody to ever say anything truly bad about Demarius Randall I agree I'd like to see the contract extension get done it won't happen or shouldn't happen until next year he's gonna make nine million dollars which is you know more than he's earned in his entire career so he should be a very happy man and basically once you get into the season he's healthy uh, you're basically going well. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't get hit by a truck in the off season. You're going to go ahead and talk about getting it, getting a deal done. And you know, again, the John Dorsey, the trade, get, giving up basically magic beans in the form of Deshaun Kaiser for this kid. Uh, I, obviously, I wrote an article. I said, you know, the only reason it wasn't the best move of the off season is because Baker Mayfield. You know, there, there's just too much invested in that, and that comes with it. But in terms of like the the smartest, cagiest move he's made, it's not even close. I mean, you know, that's like a Hall of Fame trade. Well, and
0: the thing is, is there's no hope for Green Bay to ever have to play to Sean Kaiser. So even if he's progressing, nobody will ever know. They they have zero intention of ever having to play to Sean Kaiser. Um, I do want to get to Miles Garrett here. Um, I did hear a little chirping, a little bit of a quiet stat sheet. Uh, got the one sack, um, guys. Did you see Cedric? the way he jumping, I mean, basically having seizures from the fact that he was lined up across from Miles Garrett. Do you guys understand the presence he brings and just how much he makes the job easier for the other 10 guys on that defense, Pete? It it was just, it it was late in the game and Miles was like, all right, let's go. And look, I will do give a little credit to Jeff Skinner. Uh, I I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, the backup quarterback, and I, I always, Driscoll, I always ripped him when he was at Florida. I thought he held his own. I thought it was great that he threw his first career touchdown pass, and Boyd spiked the wall with it, and they had to chase around to find the ball. But he hung himself, and I think it was a little bit of a difference. Look, I mean, this, this Browns franchise knows Andy Dalton inside and out as many times I played him over the years. I thought Driscoll brought a little something different. But Miles Garrett and what he did, does overall, week in, week out, where... Here's the peak, and then the 10 guys just got to do what they're asked of. I mean, uh, it, it was just fun towards the end, and just watch it a uh, way he just, you know,
1: run backwards.
0: I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was even, like, close. It was, like, two seconds early.
1: Uh, first, regarding Driscoll, I, I was – he got he had some shaky throws early, but he settled in, played pretty well. And, again, if you listen to the postgame from Drew Bo Peppers, he, we wanted Andy Dalton back. Straight <laughs> up said we wanted Andy Dalton. Uh, the Driscoll gave him he's a the, phenomenal the,
0: athlete the throw, the throw and catch to Boyd the one that they took back because of the penalty oh my god I mean just a great job by Driscoll great job by Boyd and and, and Boyd you know look I, I don't think he, he's never going to be the guy to bump A.J. Green out of town but he's had himself a nice year and he's he's proven to be something in this league so but I mean that was a hell of a play uh, sadly it, you know nobody will ever remember it though
1: Right, no, he's he's their sort of Mr. Reliable guy. He's he's what people seem to think that Jarvis Landry was going to be uh, before he became a ghost. But getting Miles Garrett, uh, people do not know how to watch him. And and this was the case at my, Texas A&M. Uh, they watch and they go, well, he didn't do this, this, or this. In fact, this was eerily similar to the LSU game, the bowl game, where Tony Grossi famously said that he didn't understand – uh, how Miles Garrett could be such a good player because he didn't do anything. And, and, and what he did in the LSU game is, is similar. First, he blocked a kick, which he did in this game. And second, everything was predicated on Miles Garrett's existence. Uh, whether it was Dalton or Driscoll, Driscoll a little bit more uh, held onto the ball because he, he could trust his legs. When Andy Dalton was in there, the ball was out in two seconds almost every time. And they had their offensive tackles and offensive line basically quick set stand down force uh miles garrett to go up the field and create a natural throwing window if the ball wasn't out to somebody on uh, you know on the bengals it was thrown away in some form or fashion or they they rolled to the right uh but i had somebody complaining to me about miles garrett not doing anything and in the course of his tweets miles garrett had three pressures out of four plays and then ultimately came down with the sack and Miles Garrett, much like Baker Mayfield, is extremely critical of himself. He's mad he didn't have four sacks, which he probably should have. But what he does in terms of pressure and what he, he forces the rest of the, uh, the, the offense to do and what he opens up for his teammates is just insane how much of an impact he makes. He gets teams double teaming him. He gets teams completely getting out of rhythm in terms of what the offense. <laughs> I, I don't think the officials know how to officiate him. A, he's getting held all the time. And B, gets called for a lot of offsides penalties where he's not actually offsides. Uh, but it, it got to a point where, especially in the end when O'Boye was in there, he kept trying to quick set. And then Miles Garrett just sprinted past him. And it was just a foot race between him and Jeff Driscoll. And he finally got the one, but it, like I, I genuinely don't know how to explain it. When I watch the bronze on defense, I cannot take my eyes off this man. I watch every snap he's on the field, especially when the bronze are going to the right on my TV and he's right in front of me. Um, I can't take my eyes off him because he's so who's so damn good. The the worst he does is when he's setting up other guys with stunts. Like that's how that's the worst thing he can do in terms of him generating pressure is setting up other guys. But he's a phenom, and and it was nice to see what at least looked like at least on that one on the fumble a very healthy Emmanuel Ogba who has never seen a team he likes more than playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. He the, the he's had a career game against. Or Every time he's played this team, he's he's had one of his best. And I don't know if he got credit for a sack when he injured Andy Dalton on that fumble or not. But he obviously had the one sack that was taken away. He was disruptive. Uh, On the sack, he did get taken away on the penalty. He just absolutely bulldozed poor Bobby Hart on the way to the backfield. Uh, But it was nice to see him get back. The only thing I didn't like, I hated hated the play the play from the Jannard Avery on the late hit. It was straight dirty. He yeah don't, can't, don't have it, can't, don't have low. can't have it. Can't have it. Can't have it. It was late. It was low. It was just it was dirty. That's how you get a reputation. And it obviously it hurt them in the sense that it's an interception to Derek Kindred. If not for that penalty, so it was just it ultimately on top of everything else, it was selfish. Uh, but. This is another one where everybody's going to go, well, the stat sheet really wasn't there. I, I, but here's what I can tell you. Larry Oganjobi was great. Emmanuel Ogbo was great. Miles Garrett was great. It did, doesn't always translate to sacks. And the kid who absolutely was a stud out there was Joe Sherwood. Holy crap, that guy had a game. Um, since he's come back from the injury, he's been an absolute animal. And you just see the difference he makes on this defense. He's, it, he needs to be and i And I think it's starting to happen. recognize as one of the best linebackers in the league because he's he's there he's he's it's not a question anymore. he's one of the best in the league.
0: We're gonna get to that, but guys, the Lockdown n f l podcast matt williamson um the money shows he has hosts of the biggest games. And, guys, I think it was the third or fourth time now that I've been able to join Matt as part of, you know, brings three of three or four of us on. So I sat down with Matt before I was able to record here with Pete tonight. Um, you know, so Monday shows, you get guys like myself, the lockdown host. Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfels with all the influx, influx of young offensive talent and quarterbacks especially. Sage Rosenfels kind of helps Matt, and they get together. They guide you all through that, and you get some great content. His PFF show is on Wednesdays with Mike Renner, Thursdays Mike Sando from ESPN, Fridays you get his Pick'em show. And guys, he said bet bet heavy, bet heavy on the Browns this week as underdogs going to this uh, headed to Cincinnati to you know Paul Brown's Stadium to get the win. Guys, I hope you took the recommendation. I also told you that on the pregame show. If you did, good good on you. I appreciate that, but the Lockdown NFL Podcast with Matt Williamson, guys, it's a good show. Matt does uh, great stuff. You get a lot of variety. So if you love, you know, the Browns and you love foot- the NFL in general, the Matt Williamson NFL Podcast, guys, Lockdown, the Lockdown NFL Podcast, it's for you. Um, and it, it's actually funny, Pete, because that you brought this up. I was, talk- uh, we, Joe Schobert's name came up when I was uh, you know, talking about Matt Williamson. I almost, it's not even the run thing. It's not even getting the defense set. It's not even, you know, how effective he is. is hitting his gap on a blitzer. The coverage aspect of it. He's almost like a crossing guard. He is literally taking his guy like a child from one sidewalk. And I always remember this. I hated zone coverage. I hated playing it. But walk your guy back to the guy behind you if that's a responsibility you have. And he's almost a crossing guard with it. It's literally, okay, I am literally now passing you off to the safety and there's so much minimal room. It's such a, like, it's it, it's so perfect in the technique of it and the description of it and what you're supposed to do. And he does it so well. And like we've said, if if you break him down individually, you know, maybe there's some other guys you'd rather have. But as far as what makes this defensive engine go, he is
1: 100% the mechanic of this defense. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, he does so much in terms of shrinking the field for everybody else because he covers so much ground. Like some of the plays that you're seeing guys make in coverage, and this is even like Denzel Ward and TJ Carey and some of these other guys, are because he's able to do so much in terms of taking away underneath plays and and like you're talking about passing off guys in the safety that it's really becoming increasingly difficult to make plays over the middle. Uh, and and sure, there are, you know there are some times where you see screens and stuff that 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 are jailhouse uh, breaks that uh, that need to be corrected. But in terms of what he's able to do to just make everybody better, it's I don't know how you if anyone who is on the fence about this and I don't know how that was the case. The difference between the defense now and the defense when he was injured, there's no question how good he is. He makes. Jamie Collins a better player. Uh, he he just does so much. Like the guy who he's occasionally out there for reasons I still don't know. I'm sure he's very nice on special teams. Uh, Tanner me. Vallejo is just like extra. And <laughs> it, it's just amazing that that at times it felt like they were playing like ten and they were still able to match up because of how good he is. But it just it makes everybody better and it makes it so. You know, you're another guy who's him and Larry Yoko are going to get paid, but it's another situation where he does so much to make it so linebackers not really an issue that you can use those things to address other issues, whether it's, uh, you know, obviously I'm hoping that they continue to beef up the defensive line or if they decide. You know, I, th- I think they're they're actually in pretty good shape at corner for the foreseeable future. But if they decide, hey, we want to go ahead and go get another guy like Denzel Ward, you know, like Byron Humphrey from uh, from Washington, who's like his clone, Murphy. Um, Murphy, uh, he's like a, a clone that just plays it in a different system. The overall thing is is. He just makes everything better and makes it so you need less resources at that position that you can just sort of do everything. In the same way that Baker Mayfield makes it so you don't need to, to exactly. dump a bunch of money on receivers, Joe Schobert makes it so you know he's, he's the same way in terms of how much better he makes everybody else.
0: And it's a fun watch, and it's a fun product the way they're doing it. And you know Zettel finding his way here, maybe as the sixth defensive lineman of this unit. And look, once you go six guys, and this was the issue because it was only four, but now they're opening up a little bit, and you're actually getting to the point where you have confidence in six guys. And it's great to see, and you get the max effort. And Ogba, look, I mean, you know, what Andy Dalton needed to do there was smack that ball with every might in his body and get it the hell out the back of the end zone. There was no good in any possibility of trying to recover that fumble. It was just completely foolish. Um, It didn't look good as soon as he got up and, you know, as soon as he went to the sidelines. And this is kind of Andy Dalton's thing. He gets himself in a position sometime where he gets himself injured. Uh, One guy I didn't want to mention, Greg Robinson here. You know, I think Greg Robinson, look, another good job. You know, we'll go back tomorrow, look again to see whether it was a great job. You know, maybe still left tackle is something that's going to have to be addressed. Obviously, going to have to be addressed. But Greg Robinson finding his way here now after two failed stunts in the NFL, putting together great effort in one of the strangest places, you know, cleaving the way everything is working out. But, you know, a whole bunch of guys coming together, working together. Uh, Pete, uh, look, it's Houston next week. You've still got Baltimore again. You've got Carolina. Uh, You've got Cincinnati one more time. Uh, You've got Denver. Look, there's wins to be had here. There's good football to be had here. But you just want to see this continue. And one thing that we mentioned on the pregame show is, look, look, mathematically you can still make the playoffs. But the most important thing here is you get out of 2018 before you get to the offseason, before you've hired your head coach, before you've signed a free agent before you've drafted a player, you now have this team as the second best team in the AFC North. After 1-31, Craig Williams is 2-1, and by the way, guys. After all of that, you can go into the offseason before you even hired a head coach, and you were the second best team in your division. That is a monumental work after being 1-31 and
1: the last two years. Well, let's start with the potential head coach. How many coaches around the league or... Wherever, look at this tape and are drooling. like if you're trying to if you're players and you're you know I, I joke about draft position and I don't get me wrong. I, I'm still very serious about it. Uh, we know, Pete, we know, but uh if you're if you're a players on this team and you're saying, man, you know, how good can we be with a good coach? You play games like this one and coaches around the league coaches are greedy coaches you know they see this stuff and they're going oh my god what could i do with this team what could i do if you know we add a couple of pieces and this is where you know that becomes a big option it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward there's still an element and i don't know when this is going to go away where it feels like they've played some really bad defenses or teams that are in an au- awkward spot, but now it's been three times in a row, and you're sort of like, maybe this is just who they are. Houston presents a unique problem um, in the sense that they have a defensive line that can do some stuff. And, and they
0: have between Merciless and Clowney and Watt. And I mean, you know, that, that's one where it's, you know, guys, uh, you better be able to run the ball because at all costs save six. Save him
1: Well, and, and the flip side of that's going to be, you know, they're, 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 of course people are going to play up the whole Deshaun Watson thing and all that, but his offensive line is awful. Like, j- the worst in the league. And, and maybe if
0: they had picks that weren't Denzel Ward, maybe if they had picks that weren't Nick Chubb,
1: this wouldn't be an issue for Houston. Well, that, but I mean, the other part of this is is you're going to have a game where both quarterbacks, that you know, how, not only is who's going to play better, but Who's going to be able to get out of this one and that both teams are just going to, you know, are just primed to kill the quarterback. But this pre- just because of their defensive line, you know, you're going to get more pressure questions with Mayfield. Uh, it's not that the Bengals couldn't bring any because I think they did and he adjusted well. But I do think there's going to be a little bit of a, a measuring stick feel on this one that, you know, the Bengals were down even though they had Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and those guys. But the, the Houston Texans have been a team, you know, that started out of the gate awful. And, you know, obviously like the Browns. And they're a team that's been better in recent weeks. It's not pretty ever. But they have been, you know, they're getting better and they are winning games. That now you're playing a team that's genuinely ascending. And what's that going to look like? And, and can the Browns sort of, you know, every game with this is, is has this feel of, you know, and, and I think this works for the way the players are. Every game has a prove it feel to it. Like in this, you know, with with the Falcons, it was prove you can beat uh, a a top notch offense. With the Ravens, it was can can you beat a team that's potentially going to be a playoff team and a division rival? And then the Bengals, it's could you beat a team on the road and win a game you were supposed to win? And they've checked all those boxes. And I I think Houston's going to be another way. and, And I think Greg Williams is good at playing this up is finding sort of the the ways to sort of tweak his his guys that they fuel are so much fueled on the fact that they were an and sixteen team the guys were here and the the other the others in this are just fueled by bitterness and proving people wrong and I think he's going to keep pushing those buttons and again, the playoffs are not in a question question here, but you're seeing a team play like they 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 have everything to play for, which is exactly what you want but yeah it's going to be fun to watch to see every game feels like a unique test and, and and other than the Bengals game that's the first one where they won a game where they felt like they're supposed to uh, uh, you know Houston's not gonna feel that way and it's gonna be you know a genuinely interesting test for them
0: and it's good maybe they are ready for this now and you know obviously you're gonna get a little more havoc from the defensive line which we have not gotten over the last three weeks with this offense but guys look things are trending very good. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Antonio Callaway, the entire offense and the skill guys able to make things happen. You know, defensively, look, it was a tough spot today. Uh, Greg's never going to shy away from rushing four. You know, sometimes in some of these instances, instances you're going to drop eight. Greg's not going to do that. But maybe you know, if they start getting themselves in more of these positions, he's going to realize maybe he has to. But at the end of the day, it, it, those are minor criticisms over an ass-kicking day for the Cleveland Browns franchise. This has been your Locked on Browns post-game show, brought to you by Action Heat Clothing Wear. Uh, for Pete Smith, guys, read all his work over at NFL Spit Zone. He does a fantastic job. Follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore something fancy like that. You guys all know what it is. Don't worry about it. Uh, and you guys all love to hate Pete, but you all love to listen to Pete. Uh, go ahead, follow the Locked on Browns podcast. Um, guys, I do keep it a follow-back account. It, it, you guys, the, it, the interaction, and I apologize for the lateness of this episode. My daughter's 12th birthday, we were doing away, got home a little bit later today. Of course, we were going to do the post-game show once we were able to. I wanted to bring my computer stuff, wasn't sure if I should have. Should have, because I had just done it from the hotel. But be that as it may, here is your post-game show. We'll have a phenomenal week coming here. Um, Pete and I are just going to continue uh, also with the pre-game show, because it kind of seems like we're kind of writing the script for Sunday's games, and whether we do it Friday night or whenever we do it. It seems like it's going that way as well. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, iTunes, ratings, reviews, the show, all the support. I cannot thank you enough. Keep it all coming. I appreciate it. Like I always tell you guys, the better the product, the more work it requires from me, and the more I will do it. Until we talk the next time, we'll have John Costco for our next episode, obviously for PFF night. I cannot wait for that. It should be a really damn good one. Until we talk the next time, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.